Chapter Two of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume Three. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Celine Major. The Mysteries of Paris, Volume Three by Eugène Sue. Chapter Two, The Arrest, Part One. Good gracious, Monsieur Rodolphe! Exclaimed Rigolette, running in, pale and trembling. The commissary of police and the guard have come here. Divine justice watches over me said m pipelet in a transport of pious gratitude they have come to arrest cabrion unfortunately it is too late a commissary of police wearing his tricolored scarf around his waist underneath his black coat entered the lodge his countenance was impressive magisterial and serious monsieur le commissaire is too late the malefactor has escaped said m pipelet in a sorrowful voice but i will give you his description villainous smile impudent look insulting of whom do you speak inquired the magistrate of cabrion monsieur le commissaire but perhaps if you make all haste it is not yet too late to catch him added m pipelet i know nothing about any cabrion said the magistrate impatiently does one jerome morel a working lapidary live in this house yes mon commissaire said madame pipelet putting herself into a military attitude conduct me to his apartment morel the lapidary said the porteress excessively surprised why he is the mildest lambkin in the world he is incapable of does jerome morel live here or not he lives here sir with his family in one of the attics lead me to his attic then addressing himself to a man who accompanied him the magistrate said let two of the municipal guard wait below and not leave the entrance send jesting for a hackney-coach the man left the lodge to put these orders in execution now continued the magistrate addressing himself to m pipelet lead me to morel if it is all the same to you mon commissaire i will do that for alfred he is indisposed from cabrion's behaviour which just as the cabbage does troubles his pylorus you or your husband it is no matter which go forward and preceded by madame pipelet he ascended the staircase but soon stopped when he saw rodolphe and rigolette following him who are you and what do you want he inquired they are two lodgers in the fourth story said madame pipelet i beg your pardon sir i did not know that you belonged to the house said he to rodolphe the latter arguing well from the polite behaviour of the magistrate said to him you are going to see a family in a state of deep misery sir i do not know what fresh stroke of ill-fortune threatens this unhappy artisan but he has been cruelly tried last night one of his daughters worn down by illness is dead before his eyes dead from cold and misery is it possible it is indeed the fact mon commissaire said madame pipelet but for this gentleman who speaks to you and who is a king of lodgers for he has saved poor morel from prison by his generosity the whole family of the lapidary must have died of hunger the commissary looked at rodolphe with equal surprise and interest nothing is more easily explained sir said rodolphe a person who is very charitable learning that morel whose honour and honesty i will guarantee to you was in a most deplorable and unmerited state of distress authorized me to pay a bill of exchange for which the bailiffs were about to drag off to prison this poor workman the sole support of his numerous family the magistrate in his turn 
struck by the noble physiognomy of rodolph as well as the dignity of his manners replied i have no doubt of morel's probity i only regret that i have to fulfil a painful duty in your presence sir who have so deeply interested yourself in this family what do you mean sir from the services you have rendered to the morels and your language i see sir that you are a worthy person having besides no reason for concealing the object of the warrant which i have to execute i will confess to you that i am about to apprehend louise morel the lapidary's daughter the recollection of the rouleau of gold offered to the bailiffs by the young girl occurred to rodolph of what is she then accused she lies under a charge of child murder she she oh her poor father from what you have told me sir i imagine that under the miserable circumstances in which this artisan is this fresh blow will be terrible for him unfortunately i must carry out the full instructions with which i am charged but it is at present only an accusation asked rodolph proofs no doubt are still wanting i cannot tell you more on that point justice has been informed of this crime or rather the presumptive crime by the statement of an individual most respectable in every particular louise morel's master jacques ferrand the notary said rodolph with indignation yes sir monsieur jacques ferrand is a wretch sir i am pained to see that you do not know the person of whom you speak sir monsieur jacques ferrand is one of the most honourable men in the world his rectitude is universally recognised i repeat to you sir that this notary is a wretch it was he who sought to send morel to prison because his daughter repulsed his libidinous proposals if louise is only accused on the denunciation of such a man you must own sir that the charge deserves but very little credit it is not my affair sir and i am very glad of it to discuss the depositions of m ferrand said the magistrate coldly justice is informed in this matter and it is for a court of law to decide as for me i have a warrant to apprehend louise morel and that warrant i must put into execution you are quite right sir and i regret that an impulse of feeling however just should have made me forget for a moment that this was neither the time nor the place for such a discussion one word only the corpse of the child which morel has lost is still in the attic and i have offered my apartments to the family to spare them the sad spectacle of the dead body you will therefore find the lapidary and possibly his daughter in my rooms i entreat you sir in the name of humanity do not apprehend louise abruptly in the midst of the unhappy family only a short time since snatched from their state of utter wretchedness morel has had so many shocks during this night that it is really to be feared his reason may sink under it already his wife is dangerously ill and such a blow would kill him sir i have always executed my orders with every possible consideration and i shall act similarly now will you allow me sir to ask you one favour it is this the young female who is following us occupies an apartment close to mine which i have no doubt she would place at your disposal you could in the first instance send for louise and if necessary for morel afterwards that his daughter may take leave of him you will thus save a poor sick and infirm mother from a very distressing scene most willingly sir if it can be so arranged the conversation we have just described was carried on in an undertone whilst rigolette and madame pipelet kept away discreetly a few steps distance from the commissary and rodolph the latter then went to the grisette whom the presence of the commissary had greatly affrighted and said to her 
my good little neighbour i want another service from you i want you to leave your room at my disposal for the next hour as long as you please monsieur rodolph you have the key but oh say what is the matter i will tell you all by and by but i want something more you must return to the temple and tell them not to bring our purchases here for the next hour to be sure i will monsieur rodolph but has any fresh misfortune befallen the morels alas yes something very sad indeed which you will learn but too soon well then neighbour i will run to the temple alas alas i was thinking that thanks to your kindness these poor people have been quite relieved from their trouble said the grisette who then descended the staircase very quickly rodolph had been very desirous of sparing rigolette the distressing scene of louise morel's arrest mon commissaire said madame pipelet since my king of lodgers will direct you i may return to my alfred i am uneasy about him for when i left him he had hardly recovered from his indisposition which cabrion had caused go go said the magistrate who was thus left alone with rodolph they both ascended to the landing-place on the fourth story at the door of the chamber in which the lapidary and his family had been temporarily established suddenly the door opened louise pale and in tears came out quickly adieu adieu father she exclaimed i will come back again but i must go now louise my child listen to me a moment said morel following his daughter and endeavouring to detain her at the sight of rodolph and the magistrate louise and the lapidary remained motionless ah sir you our kind benefactor said the artisan recognizing rodolph assist me in preventing louise from leaving us i do not know what is the matter with her but she quite frightens me she is so determined to go but there is no occasion for her to return to her master is there sir did you not say to me louise shall not again leave you and that will recompense you for much that you have suffered ah at that kind of promise i confess that for a moment i had forgot the death of my poor little adele but i must not again be separated from thee louise oh never never rodolph was wounded to the heart and was unable to utter a word in reply the commissary said sternly to louise is your name louise morel yes sir replied the young girl quite overcome you are jerome morel her father added the magistrate addressing the lapidary rodolph had opened the door of rigolette's apartment yes sir but go in there with your daughter and the magistrate pointed to rigolette's chamber into which rodolph had already entered reassured by his preserver the lapidary and louise astonished and uneasy did as the commissary desired them the commissary shut the door and said with much feeling to morel i know that you are honest and unfortunate and it is therefore with regret that i tell you that i am here in the name of the law to apprehend your daughter all is discovered i am lost cried louise in agony and throwing herself into her father's arms what do you say what do you say inquired morel stupefied you are mad what do you mean by lost apprehend you why apprehend you who has come to apprehend you i and in the name of the law and the commissary showed his scarf oh wretched wretched girl exclaimed louise falling on her knees what in the name of the law said the artisan whose reason severely shaken by this fresh blow began to totter 
why apprehend my daughter in the name of the law i will answer for louise i will this is my child my good child ain't you louise what apprehend you when our good angel has restored you to us to console us for the death of our poor dear little adele come come this can't be and then to speak respectfully monsieur le commissaire they apprehend none but the bad you know and my louise is not bad so you see my dear the good gentleman is mistaken my name is morel but there are other morels you are louise but there are other louises so you see monsieur le commissaire there is a mistake certainly some mistake unhappily there is no mistake louise morel take leave of your father what are you going to take my daughter away exclaimed the workman furious with grief and advancing towards the magistrate with a menacing air rodolph seized the lapidary by the arm and said to him be calm and hope for the best your daughter will be restored to you her innocence must be proved she cannot be guilty guilty of what she is not guilty of anything i will put my hand in the fire if then remembering the gold which louise had brought to pay the bill with morel cried but the money that money you had this morning louise and he gave his daughter a terrible look louise understood it i rob she exclaimed and her cheeks suffused with generous indignation her tone and gesture reassured her father i knew it well enough he exclaimed you see monsieur le commissaire she denies it and i swear to you that she never told me a lie in her life and everybody that knows her will say the same thing as i do she lie oh no she is too proud to do that and then the bill has been paid by our benefactor the gold she does not wish to keep but will return it to the person who lent it to her desiring him not to tell any one won't you louise your daughter is not accused of theft said the magistrate well then what is the charge against her i her father swear to you that she is innocent of whatever crime they may accuse her of and i never told a lie in my life either why should you know what she is charged with said rodolph moved by his distress louise's innocence will be proved the person who takes so great an interest in you will protect your daughter come come courage courage this time providence will not forsake you embrace your daughter and you will soon see her again monsieur le commissaire cried morel not attending to rodolph you are going to deprive a father of his daughter without even naming the crime of which she is accused let me know all louise why don't you speak your daughter is accused of child murder said the magistrate i i i child mur i don't you and morel aghast stammered incoherently your daughter is accused of having killed her child said the commissary deeply touched at this scene but it is not yet proved that she has committed this crime oh no i have not sir i have not exclaimed louise energetically and rising i swear to you that it was dead it never breathed it was cold i lost my senses this is my crime but kill my child oh never never your child abandoned girl cried morel raising his hands towards louise as if he would annihilate her by this gesture and imprecation pardon father pardon she exclaimed after a moment's fearful silence morel resumed with a calm that was even more frightful 
monsieur le commissaire take away that creature she is not my child the lapidary turned to leave the room but louise threw herself at his knees around which she clung with both arms and with her head thrown back distracted and supplicating she exclaimed father hear me only hear me monsieur le commissaire away with her i beseech you i leave her to you said the lapidary struggling to free himself from louise's embrace listen to her said rodolph holding him do not be so pitiless to her to her repeated morel lifting his two hands to his forehead to a dishonoured wretch a wanton oh a wanton but if she were dishonoured through her efforts to save you said rodolph to him in a low voice these words made a sudden and painful impression on morel and he cast his eyes on his weeping child still on her knees before him then with a searching look impossible to describe he cried in a hollow voice clenching his teeth with rage the notary an answer came to louise's lips she was about to speak but paused no doubt a reflection and bending down her head remained silent no no he sought to imprison me this morning continued morel with a violent burst can it be he ah so much the better so much the better she has not even an excuse for her crime she never thought of me in her dishonour and i may curse her without remorse no no do not curse me my father i will tell you all to you alone and you will see you will see whether or not i deserve your forgiveness for pity's sake hear her said rodolph to him what will she tell me her infamy that will soon be public and i can wait till then sir said louise addressing the magistrate for pity's sake leave me alone with my father that i may say a few words to him before i leave him perhaps for ever and before you also our benefactor i will speak but only before you and my father be it so said the magistrate will you be pitiless and refuse this last consolation to your child asked rodolph of morel if you think you owe me any gratitude for the kindness which i have been enabled to show you consent to your daughter's entreaties after a moment's sad and angry silence morel replied i will but where shall we go inquired rodolph your family are in the other room where shall we go exclaimed the lapidary with a bitter irony where shall we go up above up above into the garret by the side of the body of my dead daughter that spot will well suit a confession will it not come along come and we will see if louise will dare to tell a lie in the presence of her sister's corpse come come along and morel went out hastily with a wild air and turning his face from louise sir said the commissary to rodolph in an undertone i beg you for this poor man's sake not to protract this conversation you were right when you said his reason was touched just now his look was that of a madman alas sir i am equally fearful with yourself of some fresh and terrible disaster i will abridge as much as i can this most painful farewell and rodolph rejoined the lapidary and his daughter however strange and painful morel's determination might appear it was really the only thing that under the circumstances could be done the magistrate consented to await the issue of this conversation in rigolette's chamber the morel family were occupying rodolph's apartment and there was only the garret at liberty 
and it was into this horrid retreat that louise her father and rodolph betook themselves sad and affecting sight in the middle of the attic which we have already described there lay stretched on the idiot's mattress the body of the little girl who had died in the morning now covered by a ragged cloth the unusual and clear light reflected through the narrow skylight through the figures of the three actors in this scene into bold relief rodolph standing up was leaning with his back against the wall deeply moved morel seated at the edge of his working bench with his head bent his hands hanging listless by his sides whilst his gaze fixed and fierce rested on and did not quit the mattress on which the remains of his poor little adele were deposited at this spectacle the anger and indignation of the lapidary subsided and were changed to inexpressible bitterness his energy left him and he was utterly prostrated beneath this fresh blow louise who was ghastly pale felt her strength forsake her the revelation she was about to make terrified her still she ventured tremblingly to take her father's hand that miserable and shrivelled hand withered and wasted by excess of toil the lapidary did not withdraw it and then his daughter sobbing as if her heart would burst covered it with kisses and felt it slightly pressed against her lips morel's wrath had ended and then his tears long repressed flowed freely and bitterly oh father if you only knew exclaimed louise if you only knew how much i am to be pitied oh louise this this will be the heaviest bitter in my cup for the rest of my life all my life long replied the lapidary weeping terribly you you in prison in the same bench with criminals you so proud when you had a right to be proud no he resumed in a fresh burst of grief and despair no i would rather have seen you in your shroud beside your poor little sister and i i would sooner be there replied louise be silent unhappy girl you pain me i was wrong to say so i have been too harsh come speak but in the name of heaven do not lie however frightful the truth may be yet tell me it all let me learn it from your lips and it will be less cruel speak for alas our moments are counted they are waiting for you down below ah oh, just heaven what a sad sad parting my father i will tell you all everything replied louise taking courage but promise me and our kind benefactor must promise me also not to repeat this to any person to any person if he knew that i had told oh and she shuddered as she spoke you would be destroyed destroyed as i am for you know not the power and ferocity of this man what man my master the notary yes said louise in a whisper and looking around her as if she feared to be overheard take courage said rodolph no matter how cruel and powerful this man may be we will defeat him besides if i reveal what you are about to tell us it would only be in the interest of yourself or your father and me too louise if i speak it would be in endeavouring to save you but what has this villain done this is not all said louise after a moment's reflection in this recital there will be a person implicated who has rendered me a great service who has shown the utmost kindness to my father and family this person was in the employ of m ferrand when i entered his service and he made me take an oath not to disclose his name 
rodolphe believing that she referred to germain said to louise if you mean francois germain make your mind tranquil his secret shall be kept by your father and myself louise looked at rodolphe with surprise do you know him said she what was the good excellent young man who lived here for three months employed at the notary's when he went to his service said morel the first time you met him here you appeared as if you had never seen him before it was agreed between us father he had serious reasons why he did not wish it known that he was working at m ferrand's it was i who told him of the room to let on the fourth story here knowing that he would be a good neighbour for you but inquired rodolph who then placed your daughter at the notary's during the illness of my wife i said to madame burette the woman who advanced money on pledges who lived in this house that louise wished to get into service in order to assist us madame burette knew the notary's housekeeper and gave me a letter to her in which she recommended louise as a very good girl cursed letter it was the cause of all our misfortune this was the way sir that my daughter got into the notary's service although i know some of the causes which excited m ferrand's hatred against your father said rodolphe to louise i beg you to tell me as shortly as possible what passed between you and the notary after your entering into his service it may perhaps be useful to your defence when i first went into m ferrand's house said louise i had nothing to complain of with respect to him i had a great deal to do and the housekeeper often scolded me and the house was very dull but i endured everything very patiently service is service and perhaps elsewhere i should have other disagreeables m ferrand was a very stern-looking person he went to mass and frequently had priests in his house i did not at all distrust him for at first he hardly ever looked at me spoke short and cross especially when there were any strangers except the porter who lived at the entrance in the same part of the house as the office is in i was the only servant with madame seraphin the housekeeper the pavilion that we occupied was isolated between the court and the garden my bedroom was high up i was often afraid being as i was always alone either in the kitchen which is underground or in my bedroom one day i had worked very late mending some things that were required in a hurry and then i was going to bed when i heard footsteps moving quietly in the little passage at the end of which my room was situated some one stopped at my door at first i supposed it was the housekeeper but as no one entered i began to be alarmed i dared not move but i listened however i heard no one yet i was sure that there was some one behind my door i asked twice who was there but no one answered i then pushed my chest of drawers against the door which had neither lock nor bolt i still listened but nothing stirred so at the end of half an hour which seemed very long to me i threw myself on my bed and the night passed quietly the next morning i asked the housekeeper's leave to have a bolt put on my door which had no fastening telling her of my fright on the previous night and she told me i had been dreaming and that if i wanted a bolt i must ask m ferrand for it when i asked him he shrugged his shoulders and said i was crazy so i did not dare say any more about it some time after this the misfortune about the diamond happened my father in his despair did not know what to do i told madame seraphin of his distress and she replied monsieur is so charitable perhaps he will do something for your father the same afternoon when i was waiting at the table m ferrand said to me suddenly your father is in want of thirteen hundred francs 
go and tell him to come to my office this evening and he shall have the money at this mark of kindness i burst into tears and did not know how to thank him when he said with his usual bluntness very good very good oh what i do is nothing the same evening after my work i came to my father to tell him the good news the next day i had the thirteen hundred francs giving him my acceptance in blank at three months date said morel i did like louise and wept with gratitude called this man my benefactor oh what a wretch must he be thus to destroy the gratitude and veneration i entertained for him this precaution of making you give him a blank acceptance at a date falling due so soon that you could not meet it must have raised your suspicion said rodolph no sir i only thought the notary took it for security that was all besides he told me that i need not think about repaying this sum in less than two years but that every three months the bill would be renewed for the sake of greater regularity it was however duly presented here on the day it became due but as you may suppose was not paid the usual course of law was followed up and judgment was obtained against me in the name of a third party all this i was desired not to feel any uneasiness respecting as it had been caused by an error on the part of the officer in whose hands the bill had been placed his motive is very evident said rodolph he wished to have you entirely in his power alas sir it was from the very day in which he obtained judgment that he commenced but go on louise go on i scarcely know where i am my head seems giddy and bewildered and at times my memory entirely fails me i fear my senses are leaving me and that i shall become mad oh this is too much too hard to bear rodolph having succeeded in tranquillizing the lapidary louise thus proceeded with a view to prove my gratitude to m ferrand for all his kindness towards my family i redoubled my endeavours to serve him well and faithfully from that time the housekeeper appeared to take an utter aversion to me and to embrace every opportunity of rendering me uncomfortable continually exposing me to anger by withholding from me the various orders given by m ferrand all this made me extremely miserable and i would gladly have sought another place but the knowledge of my father's pecuniary obligation to my master prevented my following my inclinations the money had now been lent about three months and though m ferrand still continued harsh and unkind to me in the presence of madame seraphin he began casting looks of a peculiar and embarrassing description at me whenever he could do so unobserved and would smile and seem amused when he perceived the confusion it occasioned me take notice i beg sir that it was at this very time the necessary legal proceedings for enabling him at any moment to deprive me of my liberty were going on End of chapter two part one read by celine major